Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 719 with Vaughn Dugan. Um, there's no bad business with good people. And it really has been sort of my guiding you know, force in everything that I do. It's just trying to align myself with really good people, whether it's people that are working for you, with you, your business partners. It doesn't matter. Even like technology partners, it, it comes down to the service and support. And it's not just how pretty it looks sometimes. It's, it might, is someone going to pick up the phone on the other end? Um, so I like to kind of live by that mantra as well that, you know, I just like to surround myself with phenomenal people. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended restaurant POS system on Restaurants Unstoppable. If you're going to survive this upcoming recession, you have got to adapt. And you can't just adapt. You have to adapt fast. With Toast's cloud-based restaurant POS, your system will update to evolve along with changing industry trends and guest expectations. To learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, for a limited time, you will get one month free POS software, three months of free digital ordering tools, and 50% off implementation to ease the impact of COVID-19. This is a value of $1,000, but you've got to use our links. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today. Before I give you a teaser of what to expect, just a quick reminder, as you heard, Toast is one of our sponsors. It's our first ever CPA sponsor, meaning cost per acquisition, meaning they don't pay us until you commit to their service. So it's so crucially important that you use our link so they know that you came from us. So that's toasttab.com slash unstoppable. They will pay us a commission of $2,500 for every person we send their way. After taxes, that's right around $2,000. We're going to split the profit with you and send you a check for a thousand dollars to thank you for using our link. So on top of that $2,000, uh, we're splitting it with you. You get a thousand. We get a thousand. Toast is going to give you up to one thousand dollars worth of incentives. That's one month of free service, three months of delivery and online ordering, and fifty percent off implementation. I don't know of a better deal out there. That's almost two thousand dollars if you just use our link. So that's toasttab.com/unstoppable. And sorry, I'm banging you over the head with this, but I just cannot communicate enough how important that is. And just thank you so much if you do use that link. Um, So like I mentioned, a great show for you today. We have Von Dugan on the show and we get into a lot about just relationships, how important relationships are. Uh, Von started with Pizza Fusion and he scaled that really fast and he got into a lot of relationships that weren't the right relationships and he learned the hard way and he's starting over with his Kapow Noodle Bar uh, 
his Kapow Noodle Bar concept and taking it much slower, being much more intentional about the people he's getting into business with, and it's been serving him well. Uh, we talk about why communication is so important. We talk about treating your, your small business like a big business so you can scale into it easier. Lots of great stuff came from today's chat. We also get into some technology. Uh, so Toast is actually the POS that Vaughn uses. We did not plan this. It just happens organically. And uh, we talked to... We actually... If you didn't know, we are on YouTube. We are video recording these interviews. And today, for the first time ever, we did an improv video screen share where Vaughn takes us through the back end of uh, Toast and the integration with Harry HR. So if you're really interested in imp- implementing some kind of HR management tool, uh, you can get a behind the scenes of what that looks like and, the, and how these things integrate uh, Toast and Harry. Uh, so maybe... Head over to YouTube, search Restaurant Unstoppable, and subscribe so you can see that demo that he does for us. So do it right now. All right. Here's today's show. It's a good one. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Vaughn Dugan, my man Vaughn. Are you feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely. Probably the most unstoppable I've felt in a long time. Dude, with a name like Von Dugan, how can you be stopped? That's pretty I like I appreciate that. <laughs> so Von Dugan is a serial entrepreneur. He started his own lawn mowing company at the age of 10. Since then, he's opened tons of of companies more than I can list right now, but the ones that matter to us uh, in 2016, founder of Pizza Fusion. Uh, he's now the partner uh, at the Subculture Restaurant Group. He's a co-owner of Kapow Noodle Bar and he in the Dubliner. And Dugan uh, is working with your wife right now on an e-commerce website where you guys are selling. Uh, it's called Dugan and Dame, where you're selling. Uh, like spices and, and olive oils yeah. and, and uh, bitters and things of that nature. And then yep. lastly, we just had Danielle Rossi on the show and you're partnering with Danielle Rossi on launching ground zero virtual hospitality boot camp. You got a lot going on, man. I can't wait to dive into how you're managing all these things, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Oh man, I found one I came across the other day that could not be more uh, perfect for what's going on right now in the industry. Difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. Ooh, why that quote? Why is that that singing to you right now? Um, you know, like like all of us in the industry, I mean, this has been probably one of the darkest moments for a lot of us. There was a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, I, I think I even went into a pretty dark place the first couple of weeks, not knowing uh, what was going to happen if I was going to be able to pay my mortgage and pay my bills and you know keep these restaurants and businesses and people employed and. Um, as we're starting to see a lot of the things lifted, I, I see the, the grass is much greener. The sun is starting to come out. Um, there certainly is a beautiful destination ahead of us and, uh, everything's going to be okay. I'm happy to hear you say that. And, um, maybe we can save why you feel like that, uh, later right. on in the conversation when we get to that point chronologically, but where does it make sense to start telling your story, man? I know you, like you started young and you've opened yeah. more businesses I can count on my hands. Uh, (laughs) I don't know which ones you want to talk about. I've closed, I've closed equally as many. So, well, I'm sure there's so many lessons in all this. So let's just bring it back to like when you knew you were an entrepreneur, uh, take it there. So the story my mom tells, and this actually came, I was at a party one night and my mom started telling a story about how, uh, I was about 10 years old and the neighbor came over to the house, started knocking on the door and the neighbor said, you know, is your son, the guy that's cutting kid that's cutting grass next door? And my mother, of course, like any mother would do, she's like, oh, man, what did he do now? It depends. What did he do? <laughs> exactly. So um, he's like, I just got to let you know, your son's, your son's going to be okay. He's got about five or six other kids from the neighborhood helping out, cutting everyone else's lawn. 
kind of pointing everyone in the direction. So I was either going to be a, a really bo- big kind of bossy guy or uh, I kind of had the intuition early on to leverage the, you know, uh, the, the, I don't know, just leverage the rest of the kids in the neighborhood and uh, kind of make it work and turn into a business at an early age. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things I've seen. And one of the things I was hoping we would talk about today, and I'm happy it's coming out of the gates bright and early, this idea of um, just being able to work through people and to be able to attract onto yourself other people and what, and just to manage all those relationships and those partnerships. And it seems like even to this day, you got partnerships up the wazoo, man. Like, and everything yeah. you're doing, it seems like you're working with other people. And um, I mean, it's, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart right now as I'm growing restaurant stoppable, like that, how to balance these relationships and how to bring on partners. Um, what is the secret to that? Um, I was working with a, a, a kind of like a mentor, like a life coach for a while. And he had said something to me one day that stuck with me. And it's actually a quote that I use all the time and I have to give him credit for it. But um, there's no bad business with good people. And it, it really has been sort of my guiding you know, force in everything that I do. It's just trying to align myself with really good people, whether it's people that are working for you, with you, your business partners, it doesn't matter. Even like technology partners, it's it, comes down to the service and support. And it's not just how pretty it looks. Sometimes it's, am I, is someone going to pick up the phone on the other end? Um, so I like to kind of live by that mantra as well that, you know, I just like to surround myself with phenomenal people. There's no bad business with good people, man. That's great. And I mean, at the end of the day, and I think my listeners, people who know me well enough know what I'm about to say. Business is all relationships. It's all that is. And money, all money is, is a tool to, to measure those relationships and to, to track those relationships. So Absolutely. I 100% agree. There's no bad business with good people. Uh, it's, it's, we forget that it's all about those relationships sometimes. Yep. Um, so when, like, I know you had a lot going on from the time you were a young kid to 2006. Uh, where were you in 2006? How old were you in 2006? I'm just curious. Uh, I was in my, Early 30s, I guess. Okay. So I know you had businesses that you built and sold for millions of dollars. Uh, yeah. Is it worth hovering over any of those experiences? What, what is it, where does it make sense to stop and hover in your story? Um, I think for me, it was just, you know, I, came, I went to Northeast University. I went there to attempt uh, to play hockey and some other stuff. And a zero zero GPA didn't really impress my parents very well. <laughs> but I did, I did join a fraternity. So when Were I came down... Were you good at down, hockey, at least? How, how oh, I, I, thought, I thought I was great at hockey, but obviously not that good. <laughs> Keep going. Um, so anyways, yeah, when I came down to Florida, I, I started a chapter of my fraternity. And very early on, I found myself at Kinko's designing flyers for my fraternity. So that turned into a business for me. Uh, really early on, I was doing graphic design, designing nightclub flyers. Um, so back in the early 90s, we were one of the first kind of full color... 24-hour turnaround printers for the hospitality industry, everything from nightclubs. That was our primary business. Um, a lot what, of hospitals, rack cards, things like that. What year was this? 1994. Okay. So 95. that was really the first break for you into the hospitality industry, uh, yeah. mar- helping market and promote these events. And these, yep. these. Okay. I was the, actually, I was a nightclub promoter back then too. So I'd always been uh, more of on the, the marketing side of the business. Got you. Um, any key lessons or key mentors during these these early years for you during this come up? People that we need to to, to highlight and share. Ooh, early on, no, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't mature enough back then to uh, <laughs> listen to anyone, which is probably the best advice I could have given anyone. You know, in hindsight, um, it, not really. You know, we were just winging it. We were young. We were in our twenties. We were having the time of our life. And the fact that we were dealing with the hospitality industry, you know, we were flying all over the country. Our main 
Costco uh, were nightclubs, so that was what we were doing on the weekends, and uh, we were we were having a good time in the in the early days. We we're making a lot of money too, and and spending it just as fast. I mean, um, another another valuable lesson. Yeah. So well, what I mean, I think the lesson's pretty obvious there. What, but say it out loud, like really break it down. Well, you know, I mean, just uh, just like we're all going through right now, you never know what's uh, on the road ahead. Yeah. Uh, you need to plan. You need to be a smart with your money. Um, make investments with your money, and just you know, the rainy day is going to happen, and the rainy day could last for three months. So, what are the things you're doing with your money today, for example, that you weren't doing then? Um, for me, it's it's more about diversification, you know. And, and again, another lesson I, that didn't work out for me, you know. I've got Dugan and Dame. We sell our primary customer are restaurants and bars, so we sell tonics and bitters. Um, that's a fairly new startup with my wife. And as soon as this all happened, we lost, you know, that faucet turned right off. Um, I started a new, um, crowdfunding, uh, platform within the education space. The education space came to a screeching halt all at the same time. Woof. Um, so as much as I thought I was doing the right thing by diversifying, you know, with my businesses, um, it kind of, uh, backfired, backfired on me a little bit, but thank God I had some money in the tank. So this company that we're talking about isn't Stellar Concepts and Design Inc., is it? It is? It is. Okay. Yeah. So you, you were doing that until 2007. Uh, yep. Right up until I started Pizza Fusion. Okay. Uh, what was the reason for, for leaving this uh, concept? It sounds like you were you're doing good. Were you just over it? Did, did you um, want to move on to different things? I think it was a combination of everything. Like Pizza Fusion, I started as a side project with one of my college buddies. Um, it was a passion project. It was an organic pizza concept. So it was very much aligned with uh, kind of our core values and the way we were living and eating at the time. And um, it took off. I mean, thankfully, at the time, it really took off like gangbusters. And, and I chose to dedicate all of my time to that. I didn't think it was fair to my partners uh, at Stellar to stick around because I, I, I was an absentee owner at that point, whereas I was, that was my full-time job for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so paint the picture of starting Pizza Fusion. Was your friend just going on this, this journey on his own and you saw potential? Did you guys collaborate we, together from the very beginning? or like We collaborated that? together from the very beginning. He was actually one of my clients at Stellar. He was in real estate. He was one of my print clients, design clients at the time. So we were doing a lot of postcard work for him and his company. And he was, he was fed up with his business. You know, he was dealing with a lot of... Um, government-funded housing and things like that. So it was kind of a, 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 a like a hamster wheel for him. And what he was, was just his tired business? Uh, real estate. He was uh, in like low-income real estate. He would buy large properties, Section 8 housing, things like that. So we have a, a, a print guy and a yep. realtor opening a pizza place. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What no business heck? doing that either. Where did you guys start? Like how do you, like with no experience, like what did that process look like? So I think like a lot of businesses, you always think you can do things better than everybody else. Um, There's a lot of ego involved. But at the time, it was more of an opportunity to capture um, a growing trend at the time. Inconvenient Truth came out. Everybody was eating organic. Uh, People started driving Priuses. It was sort of the right place at the right time. And it actually did align with how we lived our life, eating organic food, very clean eating, going to the gym, um, trying to save the planet at the time. We were all eco-warriors and um, Inconvenient Truth could not have come out at a more perfect time for Pizza Fusion. Um, we didn't open Pizza Fusion because of Inconvenient Truth, but it just so happened it came out while we were opening it. So we started as a 800-square-foot location in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Had our second location um, under construction in four months. Wow. Um, and then met a third, our third partner was in franchising prior to Pizza Fusion. So he kind of showed us that business model, and it seemed to work for us and uh, the rest is history. You open up 50 units in about uh, three years. 
four years. Wow. So let's take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to kind of dissect this whole process of scaling to 50 plus plus locations. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. We're back and man, we got a lot to unpackage. Uh, you just kind of give us a huge aerial view of what pizza fusion was uh, and is, but let's really slow it down and pull back the layers and, and try to pull some nuggets out of this, this conversation. Um, Okay, back to this idea of two people with no real restaurant experience opening a pizza place. How did you guys go through that process of, of having to know or learning what you needed to do, the basics just to, to open the doors? I mean, you were an entrepreneur, so you, you had the, some basics there. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I hate using the word foodie, but at the time, I mean, like, I, that's what we did. I was out every night of the week eating and drinking, and I loved food. I still, obviously, to this day, I'm very passionate about food. Um, so I was a student of the industry. You know, I was out. I knew what was trending. I was following every industry publication prior to even do this because being in the print side of hospitality, you're getting all these publications. You're seeing what the trends are. Um, so we were always on top of, uh, I guess, the pulse of the industry. Um, so it was just a matter of, again, just kind of being a student of it and educating yourself, um, trying to learn and be better than anyone else that's working where, for you. So I started in the kitchen. Okay. Where were you focusing your education. You said you were constantly learning. What topics were the most interesting to you at this time? For me, it was at the time when we first started, it was more about corporate culture. It was about, I wanted to make change with the business. Um, and we thought with this kind of uh, eco-centric organic pizza concept, uh, you know, we were giving uh, health insurance to our dishwashers. We were driving hybrid cars to deliver pizzas. Um, we really thought we were going to change the industry because as we dove into it, uh, we realized how kind of like uh, toxic and taxing the industry can be and how wasteful it could be. So from a sustainability standpoint, that's kind of really what we hung our hat on at the time. Yeah. So you said you at first that the thing that really kind of absorbed your attention, that this education that you were giving yourself was corporate culture. What were the big lessons you learned about corporate culture and, and how to create change with the culture? I think just, you know, first and foremost, you just got to treat everybody with respect. We wanted to take care of everybody from the dishwasher to the, you know, the person answering the phones, you know, that customer journey starts from the time they answer the phone to the time the pizza is delivered. And we wanted to kind of really hone in on that. So it was more of a people thing for us. Uh, we wanted to spend more time hiring the right people, vetting those people out. And that's kind of where I really started focusing on, you know, guys like Howard Schultz from Starbucks and Danny Meyer, 
you know, those became my mentors by way of books and things like that. And I, I love that part of the business. If you guys are fans of Starbucks, we literally just interviewed uh, Howard Bahar. Bihar, sorry, his episode's going live right after yours, as a matter nice. of fact. I don't know if you know Howard or of Howard, but he was... I know of Howard, yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, great story. Uh, just a little teaser there for our listeners. So um, going a little bit deeper, so it's all about the people. It's all about respect. It's all about uh, creating these experiences. Um, going further with corporate culture, it sounds like you knew the significance of, of knowing your why, but this is far before the whole Simon Sinek wave of start with why. Where did you learn the significance of having general purpose uh, and how did knowing what your general purpose was affect your ability to attract, to attract onto yourself others? It's a great question. I think I'm going to go back to like when I started working with my mentor, his name is Bob Edelman. Um, you know, he just, he helped me through a lot of uh, junk at the time. You know, we were again, being young, being immature, um, not, necessarily believing in myself early in my career too. That was a huge part of it. And I think once I started working through some of that, um, I'll, I'll talk a really quick story. We hired a very young manager at Pizza Fusion at my first store. Um, I, I created the recipes. I, I did all that. And I came in one day and I had red onions on a recipe and the manager was showing off in front of the rest of the crew and he was cutting up white onions. And I was like, well, wait a second, you're supposed to put red onions on that. And you know, he's like a 19 year old kid telling me what to do. And he's like, nah, I'm going to put white onions on it. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, you know better. You were a pizza manager for five years. I wasn't. So I guess I really don't have any business. And I went home that night and I called my mentor up and I was kind of hemming and hard a little bit. And he was like, what do you think he's doing right now? I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, do you think he's home right now worrying about onions? And I was like, no. He's like, this is your business. Go back, put the red onions on the pizza. So it was kind of that little kick in the butt that, that got me on my, uh, on my way of being a little more confident and kind of leading with uh, confidence as well. Yeah. And you mentioned something earlier that I think is really important too. When you were first starting, like you wanted to be like, you, you wanted to do everything uh, to, to know the business. Like you didn't start. I think it's important that we start from the beginning working in our business. So we understand the business. So for yeah. whatever reason, if some, we can't be dependent on one person, right? So if we have a, like a, a we, we have somebody hired and they're like the, the technician, the pizza maker, and they decide that, you know, you know what? Red onions just aren't for me. I'm out of here and they leave, yep. but you don't know how to make pizzas then you're screwed, right? So you, you started doing the grunt work. Why is it so important to know how to work in the business, not just rely on other people? I, I think you need to. I think the only way to be successful is to know, uh, you know where you're going to have challenges, you know, where you're going to come up against roadblocks. I, I don't want to say I, I'm ever smarter than anybody in the room, but I want to at least know when they're telling me the truth. <laughs> um, so I, I love to get my hands dirty too. You know, my, my crew now at Kapow, they'll tell you like when we have all staff cleanups and whatnot. I'm the first one to go in the bathroom on my knees and start scrubbing the floor. Mm. What does uh, that communicate I, when you do that? Uh, I mean, it, it's as soon as I'm done, you can hear them like, you know, the, the, the level of respect and that's not why I do it. I just do it to lead by example that yes. look, we're and my, my partner's the same way. Like they're, we're, we roll up our sleeves kind of guys, uh, not afraid to get dirty. My partner's in my West Palm beach location right now, repairing a door. Um, and we have people to do that. It's just that, he, you know, we're getting ready to open another location and he wants to be there and be present. Um, and I think being present is so important in any business. Yeah. And I, I'm always reminded of the words from one of my past guests and friends, uh, recent or multiple past guests, uh, Rudy Mick, who says, you got to paint the picture yes. of perfection. You know, Rudy. 
Yeah. Love yep. Rudy. So you, you, gotta, awesome. you gotta paint that picture of perfection. You gotta give your people an aiming point. And when you go in there and and you clean the toilet to your standard, then that is now the new standard. And you gotta go in there and show people every once in a while, you have to do it all the time, but you have to be willing to get in there to show them that you're willing to do it and to set that standard. It's really important. Yep. I'm glad you brought up Rudy. I mean, like he was another one that I, you know, I, I never worked with him directly, but I was coming across him in my early days of Pizza Fusion by way of Paul Barron from Foodable TV and fast casual, but like, like Rudy was one of the early guys that was talking about culture and uh, how that culture within the restaurant was so important. So he's been doing this, you know, before anybody, in my yeah. opinion, I was literally just on the phone with him the other day, a huge fan yep. of Rudy's great dude knows his stuff. Um, you, you mentioned mentors. You mentioned that you, you're, you're just able to get on the, the phone and call people. How significant yeah. was having these people? Who was your mentor? And what, what experience did he have? Um, I had a few, you know, I, I have to, you know, Paul Barron was one of them early on. He kind of took me Paul by Barron in your quarter with your first location. I, we, I, like I said, we were really fortunate. Pizza Fusion was launched onto the national stage because of a lot of the sustainability efforts. We were one of the first fully sustainable restaurants. I was invited to be on the uh, National Restaurant Association's Green Advisory Board back in the early 2000s or whatever when I started. Um, so I was rubbing elbows with a lot of people that I normally would never have had the opportunity to. Um, it was really awkward for me. I was like the kid with tattoos that had two pizza places. And, you know, I'm sitting in a room with people from Darden and Brinker and Starbucks. And <laughs> so it was, but, but Paul, like, I mean, again, like he really, you know, thankfully took a liking to me and saw a lot in what we were doing. Um, I'd have to say he was probably, whether he knows it or not, he probably doesn't know it. He was one of my early mentors and through him and him interviewing me early on and putting me on panels and, um, it allowed me the opportunity to speak in, on other panels and meet other people. Aaron Novishin, again, was another one from the Culinary Edge, um, who uh, is someone who I used to be able to pick up the phone. I just talked to him the other day by email. Um, and locally, you know, you had Danielle on your show. Danielle Rossi has become a dear friend of mine recently. We've always known each other, cross paths, but she's somebody who uh, I don't think I would have made it through this most recent challenge if it wasn't for someone like her. Uh, in our local market. She's so bright and she's probably one of the smartest people I know in the industry right now. What was it that she did that? How did she help you through it? I mean, we're getting a little current time, yeah. but I'm willing to go in here. She's just, you know, she's, she's certainly probably one of the, the, the most intelligent people in, in, in my opinion, when it comes to studying the industry, she was up to date every second of every day. Um, she was keeping me up to date and just having that, uh, she was a shoulder for me too. Like what's going on? What are you doing? Um, and to have that type of kind of uh, camaraderie is so important. Um, and there's several operators in the South Florida market that we're on group texts and uh, we're really, really trying to help each other through I love this. this. And, I love this, yeah. man. It, it, it's lonely at the top. It does not have to be. You don't yeah. have to be alone. You can reach out to other entrepreneurs and restaurateurs within your community. And as a matter of fact, it's those people who are willing to reach out and to talk and to collaborate locally and nationally that are, are always at the top. And another thing, and it's an overused saying, but it's so true. You you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with, right? Absolutely. And you're going out there to locations, surrounding yourself with the gardens, garden, gardens, gardens. Say it for me. Gardens. Which one? I don't gardens? know. What's that? What, what was it? Uh, you, you, the big dogs. You're surrounding yourself with the big dogs back in the day, oh, right, you yeah. know, and you are like, and you instantly rise to that level and being willing to talk to other restaurateurs within your community. is So, so important. We're hosting multiple ma- masterminds. I just want to throw it out there. If, if you're somebody who hasn't taken the, 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 the leap to collaborate, to talk to other restaurateurs, we want to teach you how to do that. So feel free to, to let me know. Awesome. Shoot me an email, Eric at restaurant unstoppable. If you're interested in doing more of this, we'll teach you how, um, back to your story. 
Um, one thing that I still want to get from you more is this idea of collaboration and partnerships. Because from your very first location, you went into a partnership. What do we need to know about setting up these partnerships? What were you doing in the very beginning? Or you should have been doing that. That's actually a really, really good question. I think all of my mistakes that I've made uh, have been through bad partnerships um, and not trying to educate myself on those partnerships, whether it's through legal advice, through some mergers, acquisitions, financing rounds that I went through early on at Pizza Fusion. I made a lot of mistakes. And again, a lot of it's because I just didn't know what I didn't know. Um, what didn't you know important. that you know now? <laughs> um, I, I, I try and be, I, I trust everybody, but I, I like to, to I now, uh, I have a lot of legal help now to help me navigate contracts and things that I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, so I take the advice of professionals uh, to guide me through things, but you also have to be guided through your instinct as well. There's the, your gut instinct is a real thing. Um, and I'd rather be wrong myself than, than doubt myself and make a bad decision because of someone else's advice. Um, so, so what was it about your partnership? Who was your partner with at pizza fusion? Uh, so my partner, Pizza Fusion, I, I didn't have any issues with him as we went through some early rounds of financing that I didn't, uh, again, I, I was a very young, very immature, didn't know um, how to navigate um, contract language. I didn't understand any of, uh, you know, secondary rounds of financing. I didn't understand toxic debt. I didn't understand a lot, you know. So at the bottom of the ninth, we had about $4 million in, in capital on the table. Uh, it was pulled away from us, uh, whether it was for part of the show or not. Uh, because there wasn't enough gray hair in the room. And that's a quote from one of the, the board members of the, the company we, that invested. Um, and, you know, I just said, look, I really don't care. I want to see my baby across the finish line. You know, famous last words from an entrepreneur. I was like, listen, I don't care if you put some gray hair in as long as we get there together and not realizing that there's always sharks in the water. Um, you know, but I, I will say that if it wasn't for that fundraising, that financing, we wouldn't be where we were at the time. So um, double-edged sword, I just would have been a lot more... Uh, a little more careful with looking at contracts and understanding what the repercussions of it were. Yeah. Pizza fusion went um, it, like, w- is there something in the story that we're missing? Like what, what, how did not knowing these sharks were in the water hurt you? Uh, well, you know, we, I did take a backseat. There was some senior level management that, um, you know, I, I think mismanaged the company. Um, and it was at that time while the company, in my opinion, was rolling backwards very quickly that I decided to open up Kapow noodle bar and join my partners at Subculture. Um, and after two years, the management group at Pizza Fusion kind of put their hands in the air, threw the keys back on the table. Um, and I made the, the best go at it as possible to try and put it all back together, but it was kind of a day late and uh, a few million dollars short. So if you could go back in time, uh, mm-hmm. knowing what you know now, and could have made one or two different decisions, would you have made or what, what decisions, what would you have done differently? Um, I think, again, I would have probably stood up for the fact that I was the best person for the job to lead the company at the time. Um, I would have found another investor or investment group that would have believed in me and the vision. Um, you know, it was, it was painful to watch this, this really cool company that I think was, was changing the industry or at least, you know, positioning itself to change the industry started stripping all that stuff away with the new management. You know, there was no, why organic, why hybrid cars and, Next thing you know, you're Domino's or Pizza Hut, and, you know, and at, not that that's bad, but for me, that that wasn't what I wanted to do. So they're just, they're focused on the bottom line uh, yep. and margins, basically. And they were they were also they weren't hospitality guys either. They were learning uh, by way of a revolving door of consultants. So you know, we were spending a fortune on consultants so they could educate themselves. Where you know, and at that point, baby was already in the corner. So I was starting a new career. And 
Gotcha. So um, looking down at your, your timeline, you, Pizza Fusion, you were a part of until 2019, according to your LinkedIn account. Um, so you went over to uh, Kapow in 2011, correct? That's right. Yep. And that's when you had you were partnering with um, – I got my notes all over the place right now. You were partnering with Rodney, was it? I think I remember seeing. Yeah, Rod, Rod Mayo and, and Scott Freilich. Okay, so take us to this point. Like, when did this, these conversations for Noodle Bar start? start the the So Noodle I, bar start? I, I had been friends with Scott and Rodney for 15 or so years. They both, uh, they've got a couple of restaurants and uh, nightclubs down in South Florida. I was one of their, uh, obviously, partners. I did all their printing, design, uh, and that stuff. So the two guys that I looked up to, they were, they were you know, they took their staff to the Keys every year. They... You know, they treated everybody with respect and it was perfectly aligned with how I saw Pizza Fusion. So when I knew I was going to make a jump and get into business with anybody, it was people that shared kind of my same vision and my same core values um, to run the business. And it was certainly them. It was an easy kind of uh, transition for me too. What was the vision? Um, well, for, well, for them, they'd already been doing it together for a while. So they'd already established subculture restaurant group. I was sort of the new kid um, in the group, um, but it was, you know, David Chang was popping open Mama Fuko's and uh, we saw that as a big trend. There was a huge void in, in the South, the Southeast for those types of concepts. So we decided to open up uh, Kapow Noodle Bar in Boca Raton, Florida in 2011. So now you have this experience of pizza fusion under your belt, in- interacting yep. with different people, getting this uh, idea, like getting an idea of what you didn't know, right? You're going into a new opportunity. What did that look like? What did that um, what were you doing differently with this partnership that you didn't do in, in the previous? Um, well, early on, it was, it was communication. You know, we, we, we were three guys that shared the same vision. We shared the same values, um, you know, and we were, we were having fun and we were doing it together and we were making all the decisions together. It wasn't a, you know, a board and it was good to get out from behind a board of directors and a CEO. And, you know, I, that was another reason why I wanted to leave Pizza Fusion because that really wasn't something that was, aligned with me anymore uh, in my life. I didn't like wearing suits to board meetings to discuss organic pizza. Um, but Rodney and Scott are just two phenomenal human beings. They're always doing the right thing by the community. I was like, you know, I want to work with these guys. So when we started, it was just like this phenomenal, like just like any relationship in the beginning. And it's, it's maintained that uh, over the course of uh, 11 years, nine years, sorry. So how do the people in this partnership complement each other? What, what lanes were you in? Um, Scott, you know, Scott's very operations focus. Rodney's like kind of the, the creative guy. I mean, he's always got a vision. He goes in and he, he'll come in and like design part of the restaurant. And he's always got a vision for the creative side and for the conceptual side. He's uh, got a brain like I've never seen, you know, when it comes to the creative side. Um, what I brought into it was kind of a, a mix of all of it. I'd seen it all building Pizza Fusion. So for me, it was bringing systems and procedures and stuff into a, I don't want to call it a mom and pop environment, but it was much more of a loose uh, kind of mom and pop uh, company structure. Uh, I wanted to bring in structure, technology, things that we could do to help run our business more efficiently um, so that we can kind of you know work on growing our business instead of working in the business. Okay. So how many other r- operations did Rodney and Scott have before you came on board? Uh, I think at the time there was about 10. Okay. So... Yep. What when you came on when you joined them? What what was the agreement looking like? Were you going to be was this your baby and they were kind of like there to support you, or was it more like we're all in this together? I mean, they had ten other operations going. So yeah, and there's and there's different ownership structure with every single one. It was like Rodney kind of started Subculture Restaurant Group. 
with a, a nightclub 33 years ago in West Palm Beach. And it's just kind of grown ever since. Um, no, this was, we were all in this together financially. You know, we were invested personally, financially. Um, so we were all in this together. Um, once the creative vision of the restaurant kind of uh, took shape, that's where Scott and I kind of took more, uh, uh, more involvement in the day-to-day operations. Um, me more on the marketing Scott side, more Scott was more on the kind of the operations side. Uh, we're both super, super hands-on. And Rodney was just like, he's probably had three more concepts he was working on at the time. So, so you say that the way you guys set up the business or like the, the structure of the business, like yeah. how, how is this business organized? How do you separate the different partnerships? Cause I'm sure they have partners all over the place in all their businesses. What are they doing to structure and to isolate those different businesses and, you know, what's the so, business so entity, I guess. I think to start from the top down, the one thing that's changed a lot since I came on board and I'm certainly not taking credit for it, but I think it, it certainly helped um, drive things in that direction. But there is, you know, a CFO for the company. Now there is kind of an accounting team. There's all of the professional services that are the engine of kind of the keeping a restaurant financials and in, in check and, you know, letting us get back to running the restaurants. Um, but outside of that, every single restaurant has its own personality, has its own identity, uh, but we all operate under, for the most part, um, standard SOPs and whatnot. You know, we, we all use the same software. Kapow is sort of the, the black sheep a bit because I'm always the one trying to test new technology and new platforms and POS systems. You know, we were the first ones to bring in Toast. We were the first ones to bring in um, some HR software and some scheduling software. So, um, you know, I, I like to be able to, I live in Florida. I want to go to the beach and have a, a cocktail and look at my phone and run my business from my phone when I'm enjoying that cocktail, even though my wife would tell you I should be enjoying the beach. <laughs> so real quick, like the one thing I'm looking for is like, I guess like what, how are you organized the, organizing the business in a way? Um, is it a LLC series? Is yes. It, so, okay. so yeah, no, we're, we're, we're an S corp. We're separate. We're governed by our own, uh, uh, operating agreement, Kapow is completely separate from the group. We make decisions just for um, the group. So uh, we are an S-Corp. Uh, I've set everything up uh, as LLCs recently um, help to help me govern things a little bit easier. Um, but the two Kapows are both S-Corps and they're governed uh, internally by our operating agreement. Okay, cool. And I love this idea of... Um outsourcing like the, the, the accounting and, yeah. and getting so it, when you, you're talking, I couldn't help but think of our past guest and uh, he's been on the show a couple times too, Cameron Mitchell from Mitchell restaurants out of Columbus, Ohio. Um, yeah. And the way that he says it is in what you were saying that made me think of this is this idea of like every different concept or every different restaurant has its own feel, its own brand, but the systems internally are the same. And it's that yep. idea that like when you figure out the systems, right, you have this chassis and the chassis, the engine, the, the, the parts of the chassis are all the same. Then you just put an external shell on it. Yep. That's it's, that's the, the soul, the character, the brand. Um, what are some of the secrets we need to know or what, when, when taking this approach and trying to create consistency, consistency throughout multiple brands, like what are there any tricks to the trade? Is there any guidance you can give us in that regard? Um, no, that's actually a, a really, really good question too. Um, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do like for us, like Kapow is the technology tester. So within all the organizations, like we don't try and roll something out without like putting it through the ringer, beating it up, you know, from a system standpoint. Um, and then again, it's just hiring really good management that can enforce it so that it is consistent. What we've done recently is we're taking management from one concept and putting them through some management uh, shifts throughout the other brands. 
so that they can get an idea and make sure that we are doing everything consistently, whether it's closing out at the end of the day, um, whether it's hiring, onboarding, offboarding, whatever it is. I think those things, like to your point, and that's a really good analogy too, and I didn't think about it. I'm not a big NASCAR fan, but it is just like that. And the, the skin of the car and the driver, what makes that brand different, but the, the engine is pretty much the same. Um, and I think it's just having consistency is so important and, and sticking to your guns, seeing things through. I think I've seen um, a lot of other restaurateurs bail on stuff just because they got fed up with it. They didn't understand it. They didn't want to like kind of put the work into it, um, which, as you know, a lot of technology, it's like good info in, good info out, bad info in, bad info out. If you're not doing the work, you know, people like to blame software, but it's usually a user error. It's a tool. So, you're not swinging the hammer right. You know, you, yeah. you're, the, the blunt side is supposed to hit the nail, <laughs> yeah, exactly. not the pointy side, man. Like, yeah. uh, so what are you? So I love this idea of taking managers and testing your systems by moving them around. Theoretically, yeah. if, if your internal systems are the same, you should be able to plug in and put your managers everywhere because, I mean, you might have to learn new like menu items and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. theoretically, things should be the same. Um but what I want to lean into is this idea of how do you, where do you find this discipline to stick with the change? How do you, how do you do that? Like, what's your secret? What, this is more like a personal thing. I feel like a yeah, internal I, discipline. I, I've learned this from my wife and it's not necessarily discipline, but I think for us, it's, we start, we're starting to listen to our staff a lot more um, and we're bringing them into the conversation. So we're not just shoving new technology and new ideas down their throat. Um, we're bringing them into the conversation as early as possible. Um, obviously, a lot of opinions is not good all the time, but you know we want them to know we're thinking about improving the business, making their jobs easier. What do you think about this? Would you guys be willing to adopt something like this? Because then when you do roll it out, you've got early adoption by the staff, and those are the ones that resist it the most in the beginning. So that's usually what sets you up for failure. Um, so we're talking to them a lot more, and I think it's really important. I think you should be talking to them anyway, um, but we're getting them involved in those conversations. And, the, and to roll back really quick, um, going into these other concepts of actually, we've seen where other brands are doing it better. You know, we're learning from mm. our mistakes and other businesses and other brands. So, the the big takeaway for me and what you said is is making your team be a part of the change, making them yeah. feel like um, they taking a little bit of ownership over it. How how exactly is it that you do that? Is it just saying, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this"? Uh, what do you think? Are you just are you just putting it out there, or are you letting them take control of the project altogether? How do you get them to buy in? What are you doing um, exactly? I think transparency. I think you need to let them know why you're doing it, how it's going to improve your business, and it, it, even if it's like, "Look, I don't. I think you guys are stealing." Um, and we just, we have to put systems in place. It's just to prove us wrong. Um, thankfully that's not an issue in, in any of the concepts we have that we know of. But, um, I, and again, I think, I think communicating clearly, uh, and being transparent is a very, very powerful thing for this industry. And what exactly is it that you're communicating the, the benefit of the new tool or how do you communicate um, that? Yeah, I think everything like why are you using, I think it's important to also let them know what's going to be in it for them. Mm. Um, it's always like what's in it for us first. Obviously, we're trying to run a business and we're trying to be more efficient as a business. Um, but we need to let them know like how it's going to help them too. Um, is it going to, you know, is it going to keep them healthier? Is it going to make them more money? Is it going to allow them to get to a guest table faster because they weren't doing X, um, you know, with an abacus and a pen and a crayon? Um, so we, it's it's important to let them know why it's going to be beneficial for them. So how many uh, Kapow noodle bars are there right now? There's two right now, uh, one in Boca Raton, one in West Palm Beach. Um, 
right before kind of the whole COVID thing uh, hit everybody, we were actually identifying two new locations, uh, one in Fort Lauderdale and one in Delray Beach. So hopefully uh, we get to pick up where we left off and uh, I'm pretty confident we'll get back there sooner than later. So I noticed uh, with your first business, your first pizza business or your first restaurant, uh, Fusion, you went from one to two locations in four months. When did you open your second location with Kapow? Um, that was seven years later. Was it? Did you, did you learn anything like that, that you can scale too fast? Or is it just a different concept or different model in general where you're not looking to go that route? I think it was a different model because we, we funded the restaurant ourselves. We didn't get any outside investors. Um, it took us five years to get to Kapow to the point where it is now. Um, we've got an amazing team now. We've got an amazing chef. We've got an amazing you know, beverage director. Um, everything, the, the people and systems are now in place to replicate it to where if we go seek outside investors, we're calling the shots. We're the ones leading the conversation, which kind of goes back to Pizza Fusion where I was in a position of... Uh, you know, weakness. So it was a disadvantage for me at the time because of my immaturity or, or lack of knowledge, I should say. So, okay. So I love this idea of with fusion, you were kind of vulnerable. Like you're putting yourself, yeah. you just, you're kind of just like, I don't want to say begging for help, but just trying to get help wherever you could and didn't really have the filter developed yet to know what was good help and bad help. And whereas yep. with, with Kapow, now you have experience. Now you're seasoned. Now you know. Yep. Now you now you're building an asset and you you have this asset. You have this thing of value and you're using this. Va- now you have leverage within yep. communicating. Uh, I don't want to put words into your mouth or make assumptions, but is this kind of what was going on? A hundred percent. Okay. Um, er, early on at Pizza Fusion, like I, I doubted myself. I thought I was the dumbest guy in the room because there was guys in suits that were, you know, a lot nicer than mine, and there were seasoned financial guys and seasoned, you know, a guy was a, a CEO of a Fortune five hundred company, and you know, it was intimidating. Mm. You know, and, well, and I, you get kicked in the corner, and you you think that's the right place to be. It's weird though because this is a perfect example of when I say the more I know, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know shit. Because what you're what you just <laughs> described is what we should be trying to do. We should be trying to sur- surround ourselves with people who are smarter than we are, right? Yep. But you did that and it kind of bit you, but you didn't completely bit you. I'm sure you're profitable from Peach Fusion. Like mm-hmm. it just didn't end the way you wanted to. Right. And, and I, it's funny, you're talking about like, I didn't surround myself with people smarter than me. People sort of surrounded me, um, which is kind of a different way to look at it. I didn't really have a choice. Um, um, but now is a different story. Now is I'm, I'm picking and choosing who I want to work with. And I'm, I'm going to bed at night um, with no regrets. You know, there's a lot of things we'll always do differently, but I'm learning every single day. Um, and you just said it yourself. I mean, I... I wake up every day and realize how much I don't know. And I just, I'm a sponge and I just want to learn. And I, I talk to people like Danielle and my buddy Rocco, who's got a bunch of Rocco's tacos down here. And, you know, I realize how much I still have to learn. And it's good to surround yourself. And again, I got to go back. My partners are amazing. So to, to be able to pick up the phone and talk to Scott three times a day is, um, you know, that's, that's a valuable thing to have in a, in a relationship. I love it. Um, so another thing, uh, you just mentioned you said it took, it took five years from 2011 to 2016 to get Kapow Noodle Bar right. Yep. Can you take us through like a fast forward version of what those evolutions were, what those changes were, what those pivots were to get to that point? Like what things changed in that five years? Um, so we, I think we always did a really good job on the front of the house, the customer experience. We were really good at that, but we struggled with the back of the house. We were, you know, 
I think a lot of it has to do with not cutting corners from, from a, a culinary standpoint, where you're always trying to conserve money and you're watching the bottom line. So you're thinking that you can produce uh, a high quality menu with a low quality back of the house team. And, you know, we, we didn't really put a professional chef. We had a bunch of amazing chefs come in and try and help us, but we never really had a true leader come in and just run the back of the house to where it was like the first day where Scott and I would wake up and like, wow, we haven't had to deal with any back of the house issues in a little while. And we realized how important it is to put the right people in the right positions um, and, and, you know, spend a couple extra bucks finding the right person. Um, we, in hindsight, we realized we lost 10 times what we invested in the proper pr- person for the job, um, you know, doing it that way. So, you know, I, again, I think it's putting the right people, let them be professionals. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a chef. Yeah. So you're talking about like paying a little extra, spending a little bit more. What, what yeah. incentives did you use to attract onto yourself this right person? Well, I think for a, for one, we, we hired outside of our comfort zone. We found somebody and we were planning on five units. We weren't talking about what are we doing with Kapow one and Kapow two. This is far beyond that. We realized that if we don't start thinking like we have five Kapows, it's going to take us another seven years to open up the next Kapow. So we had to have a professional that was seasoned come in that could lead kind of the back of the house, um, almost at a C level, you know, that, that had the experience that could, could uh, understand the financials and, and run a kitchen properly. Um, they could grow the team back there. They could motivate the team. Um, so I think that's, that's the one thing. Um, the biggest thing. And again, like start, just start thinking big. You got to start, you know, put it out there that you're going to have 10 units, 20 units and, and start acting like uh, a big boy. I love it. Anything we haven't touched on with Pizza Fusion or Kapow, uh, big lessons that you know myself and my, my listeners will benefit from. No, again, I'm going to go back to just the, you know, it's the people, it's the relationships that we have and it's people, you know, a, my, the partnerships that you enter in, enter into them carefully, uh, realize what people bring to the table. You don't need two people that can bring the same thing to the table. Um, find people that are going to inspire you on a daily basis that you want to go work with. You're going to learn from. And then again, surround yourself locally with people, um, that are going to help you out. You know, I'd say 10, 15 years ago, this industry was very closed off. Um, no one wanted to help anybody else. It was everyone in it for themselves. Whereas, and I'm sure COVID didn't hurt this, this kind of culture, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll pick up the phone right after this, this interview and I'm going to call three people and say, all right, what are we doing with this PPP money? What are we doing? You know, and, and to have those kind of mentors that aren't worried about you taking their business. And it's amazing. We're all sharing each other's posts, uh, posts on Facebook and telling our guests to go visit the restaurant across the street and, you know, that's why we do this now. That's like it to be here right now is fun. That's why I said, like, I'm looking forward to the future and I'm actually really confident. I, you know, there's a lot of positivity in the industry right now. It's still a lot of crap, if you don't mind me saying that. But, um, no, but I know. think we are, we are, what is the crap in your opinion, real quick? Where, 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 oh, where is the crap? There's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of, uh, collateral damage. Unfortunately, there are going to be mom and pops that aren't going to make it out of this. Um, um, and a lot of it is because they don't have the mentors. They don't have the advice. They don't have the people to lean on uh, to coach them through this and the resources to coach them through this. So um, I yeah. love that you're saying this. I'm, I'm 100% behind you. And I, I don't mean to toot the restaurant unstoppable horn. But when we say transform the industry, inspire, empower, and transform the industry, the biggest core value I would like to inject into our industry is this idea of shared knowledge and collaboration. If we if we create that as a standard, like that help your neighbor out, 
you know, talk to people, share knowledge, support each other. We're stronger together. And if we're on the same page and we raise the bar of the industry together, like what would that look like? You know, like if we collaborate with people and we know our strengths, we know our weaknesses and we, and we work with other people to come together and be collectively stronger. What, what, where's the bad in that? Right. There's none. Yeah. I love it, man. There's none at all. So, and I, and I, I, like I said, like you, like your show is one of the few shows early on because you were kind of one of the trailblazers on, on this medium, you know, to have these mentors that you like, wow, I've heard of that guy before. Holy cow. I can, I can flip on this podcast and I'm getting knowledge like that. And I think these resources need to be, I don't want to say exploited, but they need to be shared a lot more. Uh, um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, Thank you. I can't, I don't know what else to say, but thank you. So moving forward with um, one other thing you mentioned earlier that I think is really important. I think we need to spend some time here is this idea of diversification. Um, You don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Uh, You, you had your e-commerce, you have uh, something we're going to talk about eventually a new project with uh, your, your friend and colleague, Danielle Rossi um, with sharing this knowledge. And um, we're here to help promote that too, but take us, through this idea of diversification and managing all your, your, your portfolio. Oh, wow. I'd like to think I'm managing my portfolio, but you know, sometimes <laughs> you just, you just taking it day by day. Um, I, for me as an, as a, an entrepreneur, somebody, I just look at opportunity, you know, and sometimes, you know, there's opportunity that interests me and some that I, that don't interest me at all. And I typically pass up on things. My wife makes fun of me because every time I see a shiny object, I'm like, Ooh, you know what we could do with that? <laughs> and she's like, don't do it. Don't start another <laughs> website or a business, please. Um, but she, I, you know, I identify with Dugan and Dan. We make cocktail tonics and bitters and things and, uh, for the cocktail industry, the beverage industry. Um, and that was something she was passionate about. And I saw how passionate she was and how talented she was. I mean, she's pursuing her doctorate in holistic nutrition, herbalism. So she's really big into this stuff. Anyway, and me being more on the business side of things, the branding side of things, I just saw an opportunity that was missing again um, with the, the craft cocktail movement, you know, at the time kind of exploding. There was a, a big opportunity for us being a local brand. Um, a lot of people know us down here in South Florida. So we thought it was an easy opportunity for us to launch something like that. Um, and as I'd mentioned, you know, our primary consumers right now are, are restaurants and bars. So, you know, we, we kind of the faucet turned off. Um three months ago and hasn't turned back on yet or it just did. So we're, we're happy about that. Um, obviously other things that I have going on, you just kind of take it day by day and you know, you, you do the best you can and you st- I'm, I'm rebuilding kind of an internal management team so I can manage the quote unquote portfolio of things a little bit better. Um, I've been a one man show um, for the most part, you know, with the exception of my wife and my other business partner um, in that. But you just take it day by day and you just start building a strong foundation. I think that's important. I think you have to also know when it's time to let go of some stuff and start what do you bringing mean by st- strong foundation. What is the foundation? Um, the, getting all the core pieces in place first, whether it's business structure, get all, I think you have to get all the junk out of the way, the stuff no one likes to do. Um, the tough conversations, like who's going to own what and who's going to make the decisions and how's the money going to be split up. And once you put that out of the way and you have, real conversations about that. It's so much easier to run a business because it's all built on a foundation of, of knowing trust. You know, it's, it's all in black and white. Uh, there's no lack of integrity because it's all there, you know, to, to operate on. And then like I had mentioned, like you got to know when to let go. You've got to know when you making things by hand is no longer the right way. It's, it's, you know, me being the, the bookkeeper is no longer the right way to run the business. And you just have to know when to bring in 
professionals and other people to help support the growth. I love it, man. Great, great stuff. Um, so, man, there's so much we can talk about. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's spend some time, a little bit of time, talking about how you reacted to COVID nineteen. I don't want to spend a lot of time because I feel like the time to react to COVID nineteen is. I don't know if we're gonna see another pandemic. Maybe this yeah. thing uh, flares up. Hopefully, it doesn't. Uh, I would like. I would rather focus on what you're doing for the future and how you're how you're planning to adapt for the future and what you what you hope the future is, not necessarily how we react to what we think the future is going to be, but how can we influence the future? Uh, so let's start with how did you react real quick? So I, I crawled under my bed, uh, I think, right when it first happened. I, I, I was pretty scared. You know, I didn't know what was going on. But as a, a leader with a lot of people that were kind of relying on you, you just take it day by day. You try and digest the information. Um, and I, I think a lot of us also didn't think it was really happening. And you wake up... Uh, Friday morning on the 18th or I'm sorry, the 19th or 20th of March. And you're like, wow, this is really happening. And what do we do? So, you know, I, I have to, you know, kind of give a little credit to my partner, Rodney. He immediately shut down most of the subculture locations, turned one of them into a drive up um, kind of uh, food bank to where any out of work hospitality workers could come grab a meal. And over the course of, you know, the two and a half, three months, um, we converted five of our locations or re-employed over a hundred people to uh, make uh, over almost a quarter of a million meals over that course of time for all out of work hospitality workers and other people um, and other community organizations. We realized the need was much greater. And as it grew, we were supporting veterans homes, uh, you know, senior homes, senior facilities, because they were on lockdown and um, anyone that needed it, we were preparing meals for. I love it. And, and um, it just kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that like, well, let me ask, how much money were you making during all of this? Nothing. Exactly. So just because yeah. the cash flow isn't there doesn't mean the business isn't still alive because the business isn't defined by the cash flow. It's defined by the relationships. And yeah. you can you still have to manage relationships even though the cash flow goes away. And if you can yeah. do that and if you can manage those relationships when the fog lifts, you know, like you're going to be that much stronger afterwards. People are going to remember what you did for them. Do you want to reflect on that? Yeah. you know, like it's, it, you, you talk about those partnerships. It was a really uh, interesting time to find out who your real partners were as well. Like you saw people rising right to the occasion and look, I mean, there, this was a real thing. People were scared. I don't, I don't criticize anybody that stayed in their house and didn't see the light of day. I mean, that it's a real thing for a lot of people and we all handled it differently. Um, but from a from a partner standpoint, whether it's through uh, some of your food vendors and suppliers, your uh, beverage partners, you know, a lot of them stepped up right away. What can we do to help? Um, and that was really heartwarming for us. And it made us realize that, A, we've chosen the right partners. B, this is why we're partners. Uh, and this really is what partnerships are about. You know, they know we're not making money. They shifted a lot of their business from on-premise to off-premise, but still had some some funds to help out with things like uh, buying meals for the hospital workers, the, you know, the, the, the healthcare workers. And um, so it was just finding ways to, to get creative and, and, and continue doing what we're doing for us. We wanted to keep people uh, and bring people back to work. That was my priority, you know, whereas, you know, we, we also had to feed people. Um, I didn't necessarily buy into it right away in the beginning, but then I saw the big picture really quickly that there was a problem and there was a, something that had to be addressed. So we pivoted fast. We, we, did, we adjusted our business model as fast as we could. Uh, we were able to kind of reemploy some of our management, some of our key employees, um, and then slowly start bringing people back. And we started bringing some of our servers as volunteers and um, just being around a lot of the staff as volunteers as well. That was really nice to see. Mm. So one thing that 
um, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Uh, like I, I, I understand the significance of social media. I understand the significance. I, I understand that good social media is just opening the window, right? And letting people see your day to day and letting, the, let, letting them be a part of your day to day. Um, I get a little, it rubs me wrong sometimes when you see people doing good and then shoving a camera in the process of doing good. Um, and it seems like, is, is it, are you doing this because you you want to do the right thing or are you doing this because you want to see, you want people to see you doing the right thing. How do you find that balance? Cause I know, I noticed that you did, you know, you did document this. You did have a camera set up and you know, still like in, in fast motion, like capturing everything, but you did it tastefully. How do you find that balance of sharing what you're doing, but not coming off as somebody who's just trying to get likes and trying to pull on the, 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 the strings of the hearts of your community? It's simple, simple answer. It's just integrity. I think that if you're doing something for the right reasons, it, people see right through the other the other way. Um, we did it because I, even myself, like when I first went up to my partner's restaurant and saw the line of like a hundred cars waiting for a meal, um, that was my eye opener. And I was like, people need to see this. People don't realize how many people need help. Um, so we did it for that reason. We wanted people to realize a that we were there. Um, first and foremost, like you had no questions asked. No one's going to ask you, you know, about your, your free meal. Um, just show up, get a free meal. And I think it was important to get that message out. Um, and you know, we, like we live in a very kind of, you know, a shareable world right now. I think some of us overshare. Um, I, I think we chose to share just the right amount. It was really more for the cause. And again, it's integrity. You, you've got to just do it for the right reason. And not worry about what what you're putting out there for. Yeah. Um, so but I, I agree. I agree with you. I, I, it's a big pet peeve of mine when you. And I, I'm not calling anybody out by any means, but we did have a few local groups that would come off and drop off their you know two hundred dollar check, and they're like, "Can we go get a picture in line with everybody?" And I was like, "Well, you can help volunteer and hand out meals. Like if you're coming here just for a picture." You know, I saw that a lot, and that really yeah, rubbed me the wrong yeah, way, man. And it's so all over the place, and it's just such. Bullshit. Part of my language, and it, I, it just I just want. I, I'm not that active in social media because I I see the bullshit. I feel my blood pressure rise when I'm going through news feeds. I'm like bullshit, 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 bullshit. Yeah. I don't know like what my problem is, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, is there but is there a button for that? Yeah, Something where is the bullshit like button? Like bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> he needs great. one. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Moving on. We got to talk uh, back to this idea of diversification um, and sharing knowledge. And I think what you're, I have this prediction that I think consultants are going to be kind of like a thing of the past. And I got to be careful saying that because I don't want to piss off any of some of my consultant friends, but you're seeing more and more people just sharing their knowledge and you're seeing more Mm -hmm. and more people, especially right now when we have to diversify and like, you know, this idea of the pivot, right? Like what are my strengths? How can I, how can I, um, find another way to make money other than just doing the thing that I'm good at. Like how can I teach people? And you're seeing it with master classes. You're seeing people, you know, teaching how to make pizza. I think with COVID-19, all this idea of like creating content, sharing what you're doing. Once COVID goes away, I don't think that, that, that habit of sharing knowledge is going to go away. And I think that people are going to start to monetize their expertise. Um, and I, I think that you've, it comes out with what you're doing with um, the, the boot camp, you guys, the hospitality boot camp you guys are putting together. What yeah. is the hospitality boot camp? So obviously they you know what it all came to, to, to life because we all had these same questions. Like, how are we going to handle this money? How are we going to legally navigate our leases? How are, and there were questions, even, at, even as seasoned operators, we didn't have answers to. So people started calling, you know, Danielle, myself, and some of the local operators that are involved in this project. 
and they all had the same exact questions. So we found that if we could put up um, uh, or put together a collection of local experts, each one of them in their field, um, whether it's legal, whether it's operations, whether it's you know HR, um, we just wanted to put together the best of the best that we could find um, to help share this knowledge with people that needed it. Yeah. So, and it's just the idea of being a person of value, right? And yeah. if you can do that, like you'll be all set in life. You'll, if you can find a way to be of value and serve others, like you'll be all set. And I just, I love the, the creativity and the, the, the scrappiness of trying to stay relevant in a time where all of your businesses seem to be affected, right? You have the mail order and the, the restaurants and the, you're like, shit, what am I going to yeah. do? And now, like you, you, but you have experience and you know who to talk to and you can help be a value just by connecting your network. Right. Uh, and like, I think I just love the, the creativity there. Um, if we're interested in this bootcamp, where do we go? Ground zero bootcamp. Gotcha. We'll link to this in the show notes. This is episode, uh, five, sorry, 719. Uh, and we'll be sure to link to that. Uh, you guys are selling for, I think it's like $600. Was it? Yeah, it's five ninety nine, and uh, I'm sure that you'll have. Uh, we can get you a discount if you're listening right now. Yeah, I think that we already set that up. So if you guys are interested in this bootcamp, please use my link. Uh, I think it's Don't Stop. So we'll link to it in the um, and use promotional code Don't Stop. And uh, one more thing before we take a break to to, to thank our sponsors and go through the, the speed round, um, I want to pick your mind around, around technology. You said that one of your strengths is operations, specifically technology operations. So I think we we should try to get as much out of you on that topic, I'd be silly not to like, what is your suite of technology right now? Get into it and why you made those decisions. What's our, what's our suite right now? Yeah. Like what's your suite of technology look like? So we're using, you know, for our POS, which is sort of the core of the business, we're using toast. Um, We were, we gravitated towards toast because it was one of the first robust cloud-based POSs that actually was easy to use. Um, There were some other people doing it before and there's some other technology out there that I'm sure is great, but um, that's who we, we kind of dove in with and we've adopted it throughout the whole organization. Um, I love the fact that it was a fairly open product that we could integrate with a lot of the other things that we were using. Um, so I think, again, the, that was one of the big things, the big problems with Pizza Fusion is you can never get anything to talk to each other. Um, we were never in a place with technology where the POS could talk to your, your marketing piece and your, you know, uh, your, your onboarding and hiring wasn't talking to the POS. And so, so you know, we've actually... Go ahead. I was gonna say, what elements of the technology are you most excited about as far as which parts, which parts are talking well with each other? Um, so again, we're using Harry, uh, Harry.com. Uh, we're using that for everything from onboarding. So it's our full like uh, onboarding HR uh, component where we're onboarding employees. We're hiring talent through there. Uh, we're pushing out job postings. Um, it's also our um, scheduling software all in one. So it's great because, again, it maps like the journey of a, a, a team member from the time they apply for a job through the interview process. And it's all drag and drop. It's easy to use. So take, real quick. So basically, yep. it's it's kind of like the HR element of per, like performance reviews. Uh, like, yeah, w- it does like, that as well. Can you? Yeah. Oh, man, I wish it'd be so cool. And we actually could do it right now. Are you on yep. a computer? Do you have access? I mean, is that something that I am. Are we allowed to to show back end stuff? I don't know. Just because it might have some uh, team For, member info. Yeah, I can, I can cut away at it after this and get we can do that. Yeah, I mean, if you're on your computer and you have access to the back end of that stuff, I could share your screen right now. We could take a look at it. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever done this. This is totally improv. Um, for the record. 
And again, I just want to make sure that uh, you know you can black out anyone's personal yeah, info. Yeah, we'll we'll see what we can do. Um, but why not try real quick? Just right. I, I'm Look, a visual so I'm person. Gonna, I'm going to show you this really quick. If you don't mind. Yeah. So you just do me a quick favor. Click share screen on your Zoom yep. side. Yep. I am, and it's saying the host disabled the attendee share screen. Oh man, this is gold. All right. So, so obviously, from my, from my dashboard, I've got all my team members. I've got scheduling. So you'll see here our schedule for the day tells me that there's people that are requesting some time off. Um, so this is going to open up my, my schedule. It's got all the positions from floor managers, bartenders, servers. Um, you know, everything here is really drag and drop. It's really easy to use as I'm building out my schedule. It's telling me my labor for that, that position all the way down to the bottom, which has our labor for the entire day. Um, again, I don't want to speed through this too much, but you can see down along the bottom, it's got my uh, estimated cost of labor. Um, because we just opened last week, it's not picking up sales data right now, but you can forecast um, your labor against your, your projected sales data, um, which, I, which I think is fantastic. So if you go back to um, the team, it has all of our team members here and there's some personal information. So I'll fly through that. Um, th this is interesting. I want to show you this really quick. Um, so obviously with everything going on with COVID, this is a really unique uh, feature that we've included where everyone comes in every day. They answer a series of five questions related to their health. Um, so this shows like everyone's temperature that's been taken, um, that they've passed the temperature test and they have to do this before they walk on the floor. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so literal temperature. Yeah, we have a laser temperature and we take, you know, everyone's... So before you uh, get into the next page real quick, I just want to reflect on this uh, significance of um, opening up the channel of communication and using these tools to create that channel of communication, but also making it necessary or, or um, I don't know the word, required that you check in every day, right? And I think that was yeah. Mike Ganino said that the most important number you can track every day. Do you know what it is? No, it's like, I think I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's along the lines of like, what if you, if we create like a scale from like one to 10 or one to five and your employee before they leave has to say like on a scale from one to five, how happy are you today? Right. And if, and if you can give people an opportunity to give you some twos or ones or threes, and those are red flags go, what's up, you know? Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's what this feature is. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely that feature. It's funny. Um, uh, I was using a, uh, kind of an online payroll company for a while. Um, and that was one of the questions that they would ask your team members every week when they, they, it was like a survey, like, how are you feeling on a scale of whatever, your happiness with work? Are you, are you in, uh, engaged at work? Are you challenged at work? And it was really insightful to get that information back. I think it's super important. Awesome. So keep going, man. Sorry for interrupting. Um, so yeah, really quick. I just want to go through the hiring component really quick. Cause I think it's important. Um, You'll see the two different Kapow locations here. One in uh, Boca Raton. You'll see the active jobs that we have. You'll see the total new applicants. Okay. So if you if you click on the job, we can walk this person through. The uh, sorry, uh, that shows the job posting, but we can actually. I'll show you this really fast. Um, you can see all of the new applicants over here on the left hand side of the screen. If it's somebody I want to hire, I can literally walk them through the whole process of interviewing them. So what are this these? Will, sorry, keep going. Yeah, this will open up a, a, my schedule so I can schedule the interviews based oh. on my availability. Um, they choose the time that's available for them. Um, and then I walk them through the, the whole hiring process. And once they're hired, it handles all their onboarding documents, their I-9. 
Um, uh, they have to upload identification that we have to verify. Oh, uh, my God. Verify. This is amazing. And then we pass them right through to our payroll processor right from here. And then it also syncs directly with Toast. So that person already has an ID in Toast uh, in our POS. And um, the last component of this, we use Harry for our clock-ins. Um, so they come in. It's a facial recognition clock-in and clock-out. Um, we put parameters on how early they can clock in and how late they can clock out, That's which huge. helps save money. Yep. You know, 15, 15 you know, minutes early, four times a day is, is an hour. So yeah. For sure. pennies, pennies and nickels going out the door. For sure. Uh, some of the features you had there, one question I have, I have two questions. The first question is, where are your applicants coming into this portal? Like where's, is Harry um, synchronizing with like, yes. I don't know, like Glassdoor or yeah, Monster? all like, of that actually. Okay. Indeed. Okay. Um, it, it actually integrates with Facebook now too. So wow. you're pushing job postings through Facebook. Um, and it's really interesting. And it also tells you when you're uh, going through the applicants, it, you can also identify where that lead source came from. So, so it's an know, aggregator like, at first, basically. Yeah, 100%. And they have their own. So now that Harry's throughout, you know, I think they're uh, worldwide now, but you're seeing their own internal pool of people who now have downloaded the Harry app, who have applied for jobs at other restaurants in our market. Um, you know, there's an internal pool of, of like people that Harry kind of already have in their system. Um, so it's, it's pretty awesome. I can actually go over here to like the talent pool and look for people in a certain position in my market that have never worked or applied here before. Um, that's awesome. So, and the other, the other question I had was around your calendar. Is this syncing with your iOS calendar or your Google calendar? Does it sync to both? My Google calendar. Okay. Awesome. Yep. This is great, man. Thank you. That's the first time we've ever done a live demo with a guest on the show. <laughs> I appreciate that. I should do it more often. I guess it's one yeah, of the benefits I'll, I'll, of... Uh, I'd be happy to uh, share it some more with you behind the scenes. I just wasn't afraid if there was like any personal info going out. Maybe we can do... Um, we can connect after the recording to see if we can't uh, do like a, okay. another recording or deeper. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Harry's is recommended all the time on the show. I know Carrie Luxem from Carrie Luxem uh, HR. Uh, he was, she's a uh, juggernaut, juggernaut in like the HR restaurant world uh, is a huge advocate of Harry as well. Um, so I think any other things, actually one thing before we, we take our, our last break to go to the speed round, um, a little bit about the future. What do you want the future of the restaurant industry to look, look like? I think I, we've been so reactive for so long that we've reacted ourselves into this corner and we, and we reacted ourselves into a lot of these shitty situations. How can we come back stronger? What things can we do better? What, what would you like to communicate about that before we go forward? Um, you know, I, I, that's a, again, it's a great question. I can only speak about my personal experience with it and what I would like to see. I, I just, it's given me and my partners the opportunity to realize what matters the most. So from the team members to the guest experience and the guest journey in the restaurant, we've been able to slow things down a little bit and realize what's important um, uh, and, and kind of like, again, like reset. You, you had a really big opportunity to reset and do things like if you weren't doing it right before, now's your shot to do it the way you want to do it or the way that you think you should be doing. Uh, it's amazing hearing people talk about cleaning their restaurants. I mean, if you weren't cleaning your restaurants before this, that's another that you probably shouldn't be in the business, but um, you know, things like that. If you weren't treating your employees good before, you probably shouldn't be in the business. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty passionate about that stuff and it's important for us, but you get to realize that you can always do better. Um, so it's, it, for me, I just want to continue to grow as a person, 
um, as a partnership and as a business. And again, create like a, an environment for these people to work in to where we can all make money and we can all enjoy coming to work. If you know, we, we talk about quality of life a lot. And, um, you know, if, if we see people working more than 40 hours a week, you know, we don't, we're not, we don't kind of look down on it. Um, we want you to go to the beach with your family. We want you to see your kids. Um, so I just think that continuing down that path of, of, a, a kind of a more of a loving, giving open work environment is really important. Um, and I think that hopefully will trickle out into the industry as a whole. I love it. Great stuff. Uh, I love this conversation. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back for a speed round. Dude, I'm loving this conversation. I uh, hope awesome. you are, too. Thank you so much for yeah, yeah. that. That was great. Um, so do you need a sip of water or anything before we get good, to the I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right, I'm just a little coffee. Oh, man. I, I almost asked, uh, and um, I'm a little apprehensive sometimes. I uh, shouldn't be, but um, I noticed some of the comments you had about the the level maybe we'll keep this in the recording who knows but the level of um the level at which we're the the response of COVID nineteen within the industry and in these mandates and these regulations that are coming down on the industry of like yeah. say, for example wearing gloves uh, yeah you had some thoughts on that like yeah I mean it, 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 a lot of it comes down to obviously like you want to be the best you can be in terms of providing a safe work environment whether you know if it means wearing a mask like that's what we're going to do because we want to protect our staff we want to protect our guests. Um, what we're dealing with, like you said, there's a lot of misinformation on how to use gloves properly. And that was a, a kind of a big question we threw it on Facebook, like gloves or no gloves. And it was split right down the middle, but we figured out like no gloves is the right way to do it. If it's done properly, washing your hands, sanitizing your hands. I've got sur- friends that are surgeons that are like, you know, leave gloves to the professionals that need them. Um, you guys should just be washing your hands and, and, you know, using gloves for, for uh, specific applications. So that's what we adopted. But we figured out like a lot of this is optics to the guests. Like what is the guest going to feel? Well, um, so sometimes it's for show and I hate well, it. That's but- the thing. And then that's, I think, yes, it will. If, if there's shields and masks, it will reduce the level of transferring uh, of the virus. Yep. I understand that. But at the same time, my big fear is that what we're supposed to be doing is communicating that it's safe, right? And everyone's doing this because we're being told we need to communicate to our guests that it's safe. But if, if everyone's wearing a face mask and everyone's got gloves on and there's shields all over the place, I'm not going to feel safe. Yeah. You know, like to me, that's communicating. It's dangerous to be here right now. Correct. Yeah. That does, that does imply fear. And like, and like, you know, and my fear is my fear for the industry is that we adopt these as standards going forward to, you know what I mean? And, and like it's unreasonable in my opinion, and it's and the burden is being put on the, the restaurant owner, the, the small business owner, to 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 have we're, all these things available. Yeah, we're paying for it, you know. We're, yeah, it's, it's, it's costing us a pretty penny. Uh, I couldn't agree more, and I think that we're it's a fine line for us, and we are walking it carefully uh, because again, there is that consumer perception that you have got to worry about. It's important. It's got to be a part of the conversation. So, really quick, what we found, we were one of the first restaurants to get back open because we were already operating for the hospitality helping hands charity work that we were doing. So we were able to get our kitchen open faster and, you know, just kind of clean it up and get ready to go. Um, we, we had guests showing up at our restaurant that had never visited us before because it was the, one of the only places open. Some of those guests were on the older side of the spectrum who tend to be the most cautious about this. So they're the ones that seem to be picking things apart a little bit more, criticizing, going on social media, you know, measuring table distances. And, they should and probably like stay that. home. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I said that on an interview the other day and I, I couldn't agree more. And I've got no shame in saying it. Like, listen, it's, it's what's right for you. If you don't feel safe, don't come to my restaurant. 
You know, go somewhere that's got picnic tables 40 feet apart until you feel safe. And then when you're ready to come visit us, we've got the tables spread apart. We're wearing gloves and masks for now. Um, but I'm walking this line and we're going to walk it backwards as we're allowed to, because as long as my staff is safe, and I think that's for me, that's where we're at right now. We've got the type of clientele who I don't want to say they don't care about it. They're just happy to get out of their house. They're taking precautions, as are we. Um, and I'm protecting my staff right now more than I'm protecting anybody else. Um, and that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. And the guests are okay with that. The guests see the, the steps that we're taking and they know we're taking it serious where other people aren't. There's people swinging from the rafters across the street, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like at the same time, it's like you, we only, we know ourselves as nobody knows ourselves better than we know ourselves. Right. Yep. So if you're somebody who knows that you have an auto, autoimmune disease issue, right. If you're somebody who knows that you're, you, you have high blood pressure, diabetes, and you're, you're obese and you're 50, maybe you should stay home. If you're 80 years old and you know, have respiratory issues, maybe you should stay home. At what yep. point do we not like make people accountable for their own actions? You know what I'm uh, saying? Like, it's, it's really it, the sad part. I think my, my first answer, my gut answer is like, it's not my job. Uh, it's not my job to decide for other people. I can only provide what I think is safe based upon what information has been given to us and also required of us by the state, you know, and people like that. Um, it, I, I've, I, I cared a couple of weeks ago and I shouldn't say care. I still care, but I, I used to get really worked up over everybody else's what was going on in their life. Um, and I can't do that. That's up to them. If you, like, you said it best, stay home. If, you, if you're not comfortable, go to your favorite restaurant first. Don't come to a restaurant you've never been to and criticize their practices. And, and I've heard, you know, and, yeah. And I, I, and I, I need to publicly apologize to my roommate and my, my partner over at KC. I blew up on him the other day because he talked about, he was talking about how there's uh, lawsuits. Right there now. is, and Horrible. people are suing restaurants for contracting or b- bars for contracting a, a virus, getting sick in their restaurant. How can you prove that? Number one, number two, why did you go out? Like you know, like this is a risk you're taking. This is a risk that you're when you you know, like it just blows my mind. And I and I react and I and I blew up on him and I, and, I, yeah. and you know, but at the same time, it's just like you hear shit like that and you're like, how can you not blow up? How can you? This is so irrational. Um. I don't know, maybe I'm it's, wrong. Maybe people are shaking their heads listening to us right now saying we're, we're knuckleheads. Who knows? They are. They are. But they're probably, you know, again, there's people on both sides of the spectrum. I get comments on my Facebook posts um, when I announce that we're open for brunch. You know, there's like the how dare you? You're killing people. Um, you know, there's still people on that side of the spectrum. And I just got, I, I acknowledge that they're there, but I don't let it ruin my day. Uh, and I'm not going to let it ruin this industry getting back on its feet um, safely. But, uh, you know, I think. There's a sense of resiliency that I haven't seen before in a time like this. Like people aren't like in my people I talk to, like the Danielles of the world, the Rocco's of the world, my partner, Scott, we're extremely hopeful. You know, there's a lot of like, this is going to be fine. We're going to get through this. We're already getting through it, you know, and it's just a matter of now we're doing what we do best. Like we're in the hospitality industry. Things change every freaking day. Yeah. You know? right. so, I'm keeping this in the conversation. This was good. Yeah. This was good. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you know Toast is the number one most recommended POS on Restaurant Unstoppable? I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that more than two-thirds of their employees have worked in the restaurant industry. And I'm feeling pretty confident that has something to do with their commission-free online ordering, which is a hot ticket right now, which lets guests easily order directly from restaurants for pickup or contactless delivery to keep revenue flowing during these uncertain times. They even have delivery services, which dispatches local drivers through an on-demand network to keep your community fed and revenue coming. Regardless of the reason why people are recommending Toast, I highly recommend you go check them out during this industry-wide pause. To learn more head to toasttab.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners for a limited time get one month of free pos software three months of free digital ordering tools and 50 percent off implementation to ease the impact of covid19 this is a value of one thousand dollars one more time that's toast tab dot com slash unstoppable you have to use that link to save one thousand dollars we're back and uh the yep. first question i have for you is what is your it factor habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success oh man just my 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 team you know i i gotta go back there i just i have such great partners and such great people around me and i'm just fortunate that that's my it you know my it's my my crew yeah. What is your biggest weakness? Um, patience. Um, you know, I have a really, really long fuse, but it, it goes off really loud at the, at, when it happens. Mm. Um, I, I think I just could control that a little better. And I get, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur too. You want things done now, now, now. Um, you just have to trust the process. I love it. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're doing your interviews, when you're going through that interview process, when you're, when you're building your team? Service versus hospitality. Uh, I always ask them to, to help define the difference. Mm, uh, and if they know the difference between different types of tequilas, that's important too. <laughs> uh, don't ask me that question. Tequila is not my yeah. thing. If you want to talk about bourbon though, that's all right. I love it. What's one of your biggest challenges today? Um, oh man, that's a great question. There's so many. Right. Um, spreading myself too thin. You know, I'm, uh, I, again, I go back to, I just, I, I love working with certain people and I can't say no. Yeah. How are you um, overcoming that challenge? I'm saying no. <laughs> uh, I'm getting much more. It's a lot easier for me to say no now because I realize the repercussion yeah. um, of it. And again, it's just uh, trusting yeah. myself. I got to trust myself. More. One thing I've heard that I love around that, men- that mentality of saying no is everything that for everything you say yes to is another thing you have to say no to. So yep. be be super selective with your yeses because you're because you only do so much. So yeah. just protect those yeses with everything you have. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be a, a way to act. A core value you teach your team. Um, I, I think respect uh, respect for one another um, that immediately translates to respect for the guests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just lead with integrity, I, I, respect and integrity. Uh, you really can't go wrong. Share one uncommon standard of service you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to act. An uncommon standard? Yeah, one uncommon standard of service. So something that's common within the four walls of your restaurants, not common throughout the industry, to go above and beyond for the guests. Ooh. Uh, you know, again, I, I can't really identify one thing. I think that we try and do everything differently, but I think it's storytelling. We like people to, we like to invite the guests into our world. We like to ask them how we can improve. Did you see anything we can do differently? 
Um, you know, I, I don't know where I learned that. I'd learned it recently um, because I think a lot of it, again, came to uh, the surface with COVID. We want people to tell us where we can improve so they feel safer. Um, but it's opened up all these other uh, conversations with guests on how we can improve our business, which A, you can improve your business. B, you can get people away from social media talking about your restaurant and giving you a one-star review. Um, so I think it's really important to open that dialogue uh, on the other side. We don't talk to guests enough. Mm. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Uh, hands down for me is setting the table by Danny Meyer. What's one more book? <laughs> uh, um, pour, pour your heart into it. Howard Schultz. Yes. I love it. Uh, and both of those books I'm pretty sure are on audio. Head over to audible trial.com slash unstoppable, uh, to get your first audio audio book on us for free. Are you an audio book listener? I am. Yeah. How, how, what, what type of, what type of game changer is audio are, are audiobooks in your life? Oh, I love it because like you, I'm on the go and I don't yeah. have, I, I, my wife makes fun of me. I'm really good at reading three chapters of every book. <laughs> but it's uh, so, I mean, like we, we, I don't let not having enough time be an excuse to not educate yourself because we yep. can do it easier than ever. It's just hit play and listen from tour, from work at the gym, going for a walk, prepping in the morning. That's all time to be broadening your, your knowledge for sure. Um, and again, audible trial.com slash unstoppable. You're, you're, you're in my, you're in my car. You're my car guy. Nice dude. That's yeah. really, it's weird, dude. I, I, yep. I still think that I, I record these and put them on my media host and like nobody ever listens. So it's weird. When, when I, I first, like, when I first got into <laughs> podcasts, like you were like, obviously I looked in the hot side space. You were the first, like, probably the first podcast wow, that popped up. That, that just means so much. Thank you for so, yeah. sharing that. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Again, I, I, I think I've repeated myself a few times. Uh, communicate with your staff. Open mm. up that line of communication. Talk to them. Uh, th- they live there as much as we do, if not more. What's the you secret know? to we, opening? We what's, what's the secret to opening that, that that channel of communication? Just doing it. You have to break the ice. You got to sit down. You've got again. You have to do it with integrity. You can't do it to go through the motions. Uh, you can't do it. it it's, they'll call BS so fast. Um, and it, it comes down to integrity. Like they'll 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 know that you want it. You want to hear from them. Name one service you've outsourced. So not necessarily technology, but a person, a skill, a designer. Uh, a, a design. I do. I do a, a ton of uh, uh, design work. We outsource. Um, yeah, mostly that. Is there one company you can recommend? The idea of this question is to help good people connect with good people. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, a longtime friend of mine, Joe Charamella. He does all of the the branding and design work for Kapow, and it's really again brought us to another level. This consistency across two restaurants. We look like we have fifty restaurants. Um, he's a former agency guy, um, and him and uh, his company Wheelhouse. Uh, branding are, are doing a great job we'll, and we've been using it for years. We'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. And what is one technology you've adopted within the restaurants for walls? That's had a huge impact on communication operations, profitability, anything along those lines. Uh, you've already mentioned toast and Harry's uh, anything else. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, again, I'll mention Harry again. It's been really powerful to, to, to be able to, cause we use it. It, it syncs with toast. So we see our sales, uh, we can forecast from it. Uh, we communicate to our staff when there's staff meetings, there's a communication portal. So it's kind of an all in one. It's our, it's our end of day manager book. You know, all the, the stuff that managers need to communicate, like the light bulbs being changed and whatnot. So it's, it's been a, a game changer. I love it. And this is the last question. It's a doozy. I think you know it because you've uh, been listening to the show. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. 
All the memories of you, your work, and your, and your restaurants will be gone, lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces that you can leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy. What would those things be? Oh, man. Lead with integrity. One. Um, have no regrets. I know it's kind of, but it, it is what it is. Two. Um, just be a good human. I love it, man. This has been great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to share your story, to share your knowledge, to share your mentorship. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling some folks out. So who? that's how we found you. Danielle called you out. Who do you respect and admire? Give, oh. me, give me two names, two people that you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you did for us today. Uh, you know, Rocco Mangel for sure. Uh, Rocco's Tacos. Um. You know, I, I, I got to lean on my partner, Scott and Rodney. They're two individuals that could add a ton of value to your show. Scott, uh, for sure, he loves doing these things. Uh, Rodney shies away from these things, but Scott, <laughs> for sure, he's got a wealth of knowledge. And um, if you can get Dave Grutman on your show from the uh, Groot Hospitality Group, he'd be another uh, character to have on your show. So he's a, he's a, a, a good guy. So it's Rocco, Scott, and Dave. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. And if Rodney, if you're up to it, too, I'll try to break that. that um <laughs> What's the the uh, not a, not an extrovert that, that introvert shell for yep. you and get you on the show? Uh, and how can we connect if we're interested in maybe come joining your team? Maybe we want to bypass Harry's and just come work for you because uh, we were listening to this uh, this episode, or maybe we're we're interested in this hospitality boot camp that you've put together. Um, what's the best way to connect? So uh, you know, uh, first and foremost, my uh, my Instagram handle is Vaughn Dugan V A U G H A N. D-U-G-A-N, um, kapownoodlebar.com, and then obviously Subculture Restaurant Group, which is sub-culture.org. Um, you can learn a little bit more about all of our restaurants and uh, what we do. And what's the website for the Hospitality Bootcamp? Uh, that's, uh, uh, <laughs> you caught me off guard again. Uh, it's Ground Zero, uh, bootcamp.com. And if you use promotional code don't stop they'll knock 50 percent off that thank you so yes. much and that that's going to us that's going to restaurant unstoppable if you use that uh link which yep. supports us and our show we're having trouble spon- finding sponsors right now i'll be straight up people do not want to spend money in this industry right now people are very conservative and uh using our affiliate links really does support the show so please keep that in mind when you are acting on the advice you're hearing in restaurant unstoppable so um again thank you so much there is no questioning, Vaughn. You are unstoppable. Eric, thanks, man. It's been awesome. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much, Vaughn Dugan, for coming on, sharing your story, your mentorship. It was a great stuff, great takeaways from today's chat. I think the big one for me is this idea that there, there is no bad business with good people and just being super intentional with surrounding yourself with the right people, being generous with your knowledge and just watch how that generosity is reciprocated with other people and their knowledge. And this, this mentality of coming together and making it a about the collective and and finding partnerships where they make sense. Uh, and I, I just love this mentality of collaboration that the industry seems to be going in that direction. And we want to teach you guys how to collaborate. We want to help you guys develop or adopt this 
core value of sharing knowledge and coming together and making it about the collective. So if that is a value you have and you want to come together and share knowledge with other restaurateurs throughout the industry, then be sure to join our masterminds. Uh, We're going to be hosting four groups starting in July. So it's right around the corner. We already have a list of 32 people on that that list of people who are interested to be a part of the mastermind, but we're being super selective um, with trying to find people who match well together. Plus with schedules, uh, it's going to be tough to make sure the people that match well, their their schedules overlap. So don't let that number discourage you from shooting me an email, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. Tell me uh, where you are, what type of restaurants you operate, and what you hope to get from the mastermind. We'll try to pair you with the right group, and hopefully we can get it to work. And what else came from today's chat? Uh, I think treating your small business like a big business so you can scale into it, right? And I also love this idea of having one concept that is like your test concept where you test new technologies and the technologies that work well, you can implement throughout the the restaurant group. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Tons of really cool stuff that came from today's chat. Oh, we have to remind you too that... uh, we already talked to Danielle Rossi. She was how we connected and found Vaughn. Vaughn and Danielle are collaborating on sharing their knowledge, the path that they would take, the experts that they would go to if they were starting from ground zero and trying to build a successful hospitality business. And that's over at groundzerobootcamp.com. So for $599, they'll put you on a path to get the, the resources in the, the network that will help you become successful. And if you use our link or our promotional code, don't stop, you'll save half off. And that half that you save goes to Restaurant Unstoppable. So thank you in advance if you are interested in joining their community uh, and using our link uh, and using that promotional code, don't stop. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.